Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. As Congress opens public impeachment hearings this week into President Trump, Gordon Sondland is sure to emerge as a central figure. Sondland built a considerable fortune in Portland and Seattle through his boutique hotel empire. He moved in Northwest business and political circles, but was little known beyond that. Now he's embroiled in an international scandal, and suddenly a punchline on all the evening talk shows. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Up next, a conversation with investigative reporter Jeff Manning, who has covered Sondland for nearly two decades. It's fascinating how Gordon has gone from complete obscurity to uh, becoming... Aside from Trump, I think the best-known name in this whole controversy. Manning talked about Sondland's rise from brash businessman to ambassador to the European Union, his place in Oregon politics, and how the Pacific Northwest native is suddenly persona non grata in Portland. We also talked about Sondland's childhood growing up in Mercer Island, what to expect as Congress starts open impeachment hearings this week, and much more. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to talk today. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Less than two years ago, most Portlanders who weren't uh, part of the Portland Business Alliance probably didn't know Gordon Sondland's name, and now he's on the cover of newspapers around the world. Um, how did Sondland become a household name uh, so quickly? Gordon Sondland is a successful business person, best known for his chain of hotels. Uh, so if you've been on the other side of the negotiating table with Gordon Sondland, you know him and you, rem- you rem- remember him. He's a tough guy, but after Trump was elected, uh, this amazing vault into uh, pu- public prominence took place when uh, Gordon donated a million dollars to Trump's inauguration, and days later he was appointed uh, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, and that put him in this brand new world of international intrigue. It put him at the bargaining table, apparently, with uh, the new Uh, president of Ukraine as well. In what has turned out to be this amazing tale, one of the stranger aspects is that all of this attention is being paid to Ukraine. President Zelensky in Ukraine, a former comedian and actor elected president, it's like right out of uh, Veep. Um, Jeff, you've been uh, writing about, uh, you know, financial issues for decades and covering businesses that are, you know, it's hard to track down information on. Um, what's it been like trying to dig into this uh, uh, Sondland's history and, and this story um, that is suddenly part of our national uh, conversation? 
Well, this story has been fascinating. I mean, it's thrown us into national and international politics in a way that I've never tried before, never been in the middle of before. And we have the great luxury of of knowing Gordon and knowing some of his history. And uh, I tell you, it's a fascinating story of be careful what you wish for. Um, He wanted to get into politics. He's always been fascinated by politics paid his way into it with the million-dollar donation to the inauguration. Seemingly was a guy that uh, had this important role and this important relationship with Trump that was out of all proportion to his experience, and uh, and, and we are where we are. He's in the middle of, a, of an impeachment uh, proceeding, and uh, a lot of people are accusing him of perjury. And uh, I don't think he had that in mind when he took the job. No kidding. Uh, One million bucks can buy you more than you bargained for. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's going to be really interesting when they start the public hearings. I have no doubt that Sondland is going to be one of the star witnesses. For a guy who, who was pretty um, a, a pretty big figure uh, in certain circles, especially here in Portland, are, are people did people know that this was what he wanted? That he wanted. Um, you know, to be an ambassador or to, you know, have have the trappings of a, of a um, government position uh, at this stature, stature? Was that always kind of a a thing that people knew about him or was this more of a, a newer development um, w- once he forked over that $1 million check? No, I think he's always been into politics. Um, I mean, I, I always knew him as a totally private sector guy. He came to town... Um, and somehow became uh, a very important person within this shadowy, low-profile group called the Aspen Group. And uh, they were hard-money lenders. They were a little bit of everything. They were a private equity firm. And uh, Gordon, this guy from Seattle, became a leader of the Aspen Group and and then the hotel chain, Mm -hmm. which he built. And... uh, Wow, he built a huge fortune, uh, according to the paperwork that he had to submit to the government before he became ambassador, um, north of $100 million. What's he like? Have, have you talked to him uh, you know, through the years? Yeah. Uh, I can't say that I know him all that well. I have been chewed out by him over stories I've written, and uh, he's brilliant, and he does not suffer fools. He is tough as nails, and uh, the notion of him as an ambassador has always struck me as a little incongruous because, just because of the, the the circumstances that I've known him have been difficult. What do you mean? If he doesn't like a story, he will let you know, and he will generally want to let you know in person. So he's not the pick up the phone and, and dial, uh, you know, Manning, uh, where did you get this information, or I can't believe you took this angle. It's more of a meet up and, and uh, dress you down in person, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of unusual. I mean, I, I think folks who, who um, maybe that's a different style or a different era, uh, you know, uh, people who are listening to this might wonder what type of feedback we get as reporters. You know, it's not out of the realm of um, possibility or, or it's completely normal to, to have pushback on stories. That's good. That's, you know, part of the process. That's part of journalism. But to do it in person, I guess, that's that's just an interesting style. It's interesting that this time around, 
he is that is not the way that it's been uh it's been strictly through his representatives i mean you can't blame him uh he's in the middle of this terribly difficult public proceeding in which this the national press has taken pot shots at him and uh you know it's not surprising that he would strictly go through his lawyers which he has so far I mean, obviously, we hope to get a sit down with him. We hope to talk to him directly. Um, we don't know if that's going to happen. Sondland uh, initially uh, had a high-profile break with President Trump, um, as many Republican donors did. What what was that about? Um, there was an event that Sondland and his wife Katie Durant were going to be. They were going to host, and it was a Trump event. And it was shortly after the uh, controversy over the way that uh, Trump was treating immigrants. And there was an immigrant family whose son was fighting over in the Middle East. uh, And it got ugly. And uh, Sondland pulled out as sponsor and said, I'm not going to be part of that. And uh, this was the Gold Star family. It was the Gold Star uh, family. uh, The cons, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was his point where he abandoned ship. He did. And he had been a big Romney supporter before that. And uh, so it was, it's interesting, it's fascinating now that he became such an integral part of the Trump team. He seemed not to be wanted to be part of that team for uh, some time. Jeff, Gordon Sondland revised his testimony uh, to Congress uh, last week. And this is testimony that he gave after initially being prevented by the administration, uh, he, he did go and show up. What do we know about the extent of that first effort, whether he was truthful? Well, first of all, you have to give him credit for the fact that he appeared that first time around. The Trump administration had sort of laid down the law. No one participates. No one cooperates. This is a partisan witch hunt. Once Gordon was subpoenaed, he appeared. He defied the Trump administration, and he uh, spoke to the impeachment panel. Uh, so you do have to give him credit for that. Now, uh, they were just about to release his testimony, the transcript of this long Q&A that lasted like 10 hours, 375 pages long, and uh, Gordon comes in with this extraordinary three-page addendum uh, saying... Uh, I forgot, and now I remember. Uh, my memory's been refreshed, and so, uh, yeah, here you go. And in that three-page addendum, uh, he said, now I remember, we were, I was, talking about a quid pro quo. Pretty remarkable. Amazing moment. Uh, and uh, you you know he will be grilled in the public uh, public hearings about exactly that. When did Gordon start giving money to politicians? Uh, Quite a while ago. He uh, has always been quietly politically active, and he he made some interesting bedfellows. He's a staunch Republican, staunch private sector guy, multimillionaire, self-made. But he became really good pals with Ted Kulongoski, former Democratic governor of Oregon, and the Kulongoski put him on that film and video commission, which apparently Gordon really loved, uh, loved to hobnob with the Hollywood types. And uh, so he, he, he worked both of the, both sides of the aisle. And 
Mayor Ted Wheeler, uh, who also served in state government um, and has been around the block for a while, uh, also a, uh, a wealthy man, um, he also received money from, from Gordon, right? He did, and uh, it's interesting the kind of uh, connotations that Sondland has taken on. He's, to some degree, toxic enough now that uh, Wheeler is refunding that money. This was $16,000 that uh, the, the mayor, under some pressure from his uh, opponent, or one of his opponents in the 2020 uh, mayoral uh, campaign, uh, Sarah Iannarone, um, she's been pretty vocal about this, and ultimately it took the developments of, of uh, Gordon um, revising his testimony for that money to uh, come back into the, into the limelight. It's fascinating how Gordon has gone from complete obscurity to uh, becoming, aside from Trump, I think the best-known name in this whole controversy, um, the way that he has come back and uh, added the three pages of revisions, his his memory getting refreshed. Uh, it's just a, a drama that no one could have foreseen. What can you tell me about Gordon Sondland's childhood? Um, he grew up on Mercer Island, right? I mean, what did that, what effect did that have on him? And, and kind of can you tell his story? Because it's, it's more interesting than folks might know. It, it is interesting, and I don't pretend to know it but totally, but uh, I mean, he came up in a relatively modest household. His parents were immigrants. They, uh, they owned a dry cleaning operation there. I think it was just one storefront. So, you know, he didn't come from big money at all. And uh, Jewish immigrants, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know all the particulars, but uh, they were Jewish immigrants who had escaped Europe when it was incumbent upon them to do so because so many of them were getting killed uh, during World War II. And it was, uh, I'm sure... Uh, terrifying for them. They made it here. They, they uh, you know, they made good. They wound up in a relatively posh suburb of Seattle, but I think they were working people. They owned a dry cleaning shop, and uh, Gordon did what he did out of those kind of circumstances. And he, you mentioned a relatively posh neighborhood, so, I mean, he grew up in maybe not in wealth, but around wealth. Yeah. I mean, Mercer Island is one of those interesting places where, you know, there can be neighborhoods of multi-million dollar homes on the water. Uh, and then there are a few sort of inholdings of uh, people who, uh, you know, they serve those rich people. And I think that's what the deal was with the, the Sondland family. And, and so Gordon Sondland pretty early on uh, determined that he wanted to be in the hospitality business, right? Um, how did he chart that path here in, in Portland and Seattle? He lived in a hotel uh, up in uh, Seattle. The, the tale, the legend of Gordon Sondland is that he was a real estate broker and he was darn good at what he did. Somebody who owned this old beater hotel in Seattle wanted to hire him to sell it, and uh, Sondland also being an entrepreneur saying, I'll do it, I will raise the money, I'll buy it, and he did, and that was the beginning of of an empire. Fast forward to today, and, and he has, uh, his Providence Hotels, he has some big names in the Portland area. Um, the Heathman is now in his portfolio, right? I mean, this took time to build, but 
his hotels are really a part of the community, a pretty well-known spot. Totally. I mean, he is uh, slowly but surely acquired some of the best-known names in town. Um, You know, he started off with some relatively modest places, most of them in need of makeovers, and... uh, and managed to make it work. And now he's to the point that, you know, some of the old time names in Portland, the Heathman and others are now part of his deal. You know, it's funny that uh, back in the mean, mean days after the recession of 2008, he went on the absolute war path against the Nines, the luxury hotel and mm-hmm. the former uh, Meyer and Frank space because it got a public subsidy. And, they, and then the Nines lowered rates and Sondland lost it and just saying that this is unfair that a public subsidy should result in in competition against my operations. I don't get that kind of subsidy. That as much as anything I think put him on the map uh, sort of civically in Portland. As a guy who was willing to speak out against his competitors, especially if they were um, uh, receiving, you know, public support extraordinarily competitive and protective of his empire and that you know his fight against the uh, headquartered the convention center hotel uh, adjacent to the convention center is amazing i mean the, the kind of hell that he put metro through which really wanted to build that hotel to hopefully build the convention business they were so tired of Sondland by the end of that that they traded him a bunch of land just due south of the convention center to shut him up. And Sondland said, yeah, if you want to give me a bunch of land, uh, great, I'll take it, and I will shut up. So a guy who who is unafraid to fight. Unafraid to fight, un- unafraid to make enemies. Um, and, and, you know, there are people in town who don't like him. Let's take a break. So we've talked a lot about Gordon Sondland building this hotel, you know, boutique hotel empire here in in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Did he know Trump through kind of that business um, prior to 2016? Do do we know whether he knew uh, Donald Trump? Uh, No, we don't. His early dealings, we, we can chart his political donations, um, but in terms of his relationship with Trump, it's a relatively small world, the hotel business and the hospitality business. And presumably, you know, at some point there was a receiving line somewhere, but uh, we don't know. We talked about Mayor Wheeler. Um, he used the phrase donate um, his $16,000 uh, that Gordon Sondland had, had um, previously given. Um, he's sending that to charity groups. Um, but there is also a pretty high profile politician, uh, Earl Blumenauer, kind of led a uh, boycott uh, discussion. What can, you, what can you tell us about that, and do you get a sense of uh, any effects that it's had on, on Sondland's business? Uh, you know, I think that the, uh, the political fallout here has been difficult for Gordon to deal with. Uh, I think that the Blumenauer boycott call uh, you know, the the Sondland camp just saw that as a complete opportunistic cheap shot, uh, and I think they let Blumenauer know that. Um, Probab- I also, probably in person too. Right? Maybe, maybe they called him in. Um, I th- 
you know, there are people now, you read on Twitter, oh, I can't stay there, it's a Sondland hotel. I don't know if it's had any impact on their business. Uh, Another privately held company that we don't see the numbers on. Uh, You know, I think the one that that sort of hurt Sondland personally was when Ron Wyden went public with a statement that was actually fairly circumspect, but you know, raised the question of, is he telling the truth? And it's, you know, it's doubtful at this point. Um, Why did that hurt him more than more than others? I think he was considered himself a friend of Wyden. And Wyden has publicly said, you know, we are, we are close. We celebrate holidays together. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Gordon Sondland is not just about boutique hotels or um, kind of the political contributions that we've talked about and and being close to both Republican and and some Democratic uh, politicians. Uh, What can you tell me about his properties uh, that he uh, owns on Hayden Island and um, kind of that whole story that played out um, involving uh, some some, uh, lottery facilities, right? I don't know how the investment did. I, I have not privy to the numbers, but it was really controversial. It was really public and uh, resulted in a lot of criticism. He bought this nondescript strip mall, or one of, one of his companies bought it, or several mm-hmm. of his companies. He always works through LLCs. Someone made the decision to carve up this traditional commercial building into little cubicles that were basically lottery casinos um, they, the locals were furious because uh, this this building that used to house family restaurants was suddenly a den of iniquity and uh, it would attract a really bad element and there were there was a stabbing there were routinely a lot of people from southwest Washington coming over for all the wrong reasons the police, and the Lottery Commission and the OLCC and especially the people who lived through it on Hayden Island were incredibly angry and uh, they went to Sondland and Durant and uh, pleaded with them to do something about it. He didn't get any satisfaction. He still owns that building. The, you know, the, the whole sort of Lottery Row aspect of it is, is not quite as hot as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, it was before the Columbia River crossing the first time around became a huge issue. The long-term strategy was to hold this building until the CRC freeway was expanded. And so suddenly you have this eight-lane monstrosity that's crossing Hayden Island. They would have to tear down that building and cash ODOT or the builders of the CRC would have to cash them out. For folks who might not be aware, this is the bi-state effort, the Oregon-Washington effort to build a new interstate bridge on I-5. Um, and here we are, um, that process is, is kicking up again, Jeff, and, and obviously uh, Sondland, uh, to the best of your knowledge, s- still owns those those properties, right? Yes. So there's a situation where if if the states get what they say they want again, <laughs> which is a, a, new, a new bridge, um, he would um, feasibly stand to gain. Conceivably, that could be exactly what goes on, yeah. What do you know, Jeff, about, um, you, you know, there's lots of social media photos and videos of people confronting Sondland at the airport um, last week. Do, you, do we know why he, he was back? Is he just coming home? Uh, we intend to find out. We'll try to find out. But that is a great question. Um, we've been told that uh, 
he's going to remain in his job as long as he has that job as the uh, ambassador to the EU. Uh, he's not going to quit. Um, and so I can only think that he came back for a break to visit with family and uh, that he'll be heading back to Brussels soon. So what are you most interested in uh, in watching next as we kind of uh, see where collectively as a nation, see where this all leads us? Um, well, so far, I think he's emerged as the most controversial, uh, most interesting of person to have submitted testimony to Congress. Certainly the most sort of star-crossed. Um, he really does come across as a guy who is a little bit out of his league and out of his depth over there. And in fairness to him, he, he's, a, he's a private sector business guy. What does he know about diplomacy? I think the whole world is watching as, he, as we have these public hearings and everybody knows Sondland's going to get called and uh, uh, his testimony will be closely watched. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Jeff. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. You can find a link to Jeff Manning and Molly Young's stories about Gordon Sondland in the episode notes. You can check out my stories on the transportation beat at oregonlive.com slash commuting or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Thien. A reminder to subscribe to Beat Check anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear the latest episodes. If you like the show, please leave a rating or review to help us spread the word. Until next time.